Welcome back, Creighton Blue Jays fans, to Blue Jays Bites. This is White and Blue Review's podcast. We try to do it on a weekly basis, and by weekly I mean this is the second week, the second episode of our podcast. I'm Bryant Ott, one of the White and Blue Review founders. I write and contribute as Creighton Otter on the site. And this week we've got an abbreviated version. Uh, Last week we pushed almost an hour and we appreciate it if you made it the whole way. I'm not sure that we have anything to give you as a prize or uh, provide to you as a super fan of either Matt DeMoranis or White and Blue Review. Certainly not me. Understandable. But this week we just really wanted to focus in on some of the interview uh, coverage that Matt DeMoranis was able to secure this week. Spending some time down on the hilltop uh, where... The women's volleyball team was coming off of their blue-white scrimmage ahead of this weekend's Iowa State Challenge. And there were a couple open gym opportunities for some of the Creighton men's basketball players to get back in the gym as school gets ready to start, uh, knock off some of the rust. And Matt D. was able to actually interview Cole Huff, the incoming senior, uh, second year in the program for the Blue Jays, the transfer from Nevada. Cole's had an interesting summer. Um, You might have seen it in some social media um, or followed along with Matt D. As he's been kind of covering this today on whiteandbluereview.com, he filed a story. Catching up with Cole, talking a little bit about the injuries and the medical issues that Cole's been trying to fight through um, really back into last season and certainly through the summer having some medical attention. Um, Cole's also prepping and rehabbing, getting ready for his last year at Creighton, his last year of college basketball, a year that finds the Blue Jays entering the season with some uh, lofty expectations, certainly not top 10, top 15 type expectations, at least publicly from other pundits and know-it-alls like yours truly, but certainly in that 20 to 25, 30 range, talking preseason polls, again, way too early to get ourselves wrapped around some of that stuff right now. But Cole found himself a couple days ago, actually one of the answers to a usports.com article uh, written by Dan stack to the five questions Creighton must address before the 2016, 2017 season. If you're wondering to yourself, what's U sports? I thought the same thing, but anytime somebody's picking up on the blue Jays and taking even uh, somewhat of an interest in their fortunes in the upcoming season this early in the year. I thought it was interesting to at least dive in and see what um, Mr. Stack's perspective was to see what that site's perspective was. And Cole kind of comes right to the top answer to question five. Can Cole Huff demonstrate more consistency? So before we get to the interview that Matt was able to record with Cole, couple days ago good six minutes Um, I thought I'd just read this to you guys I'm not sure if you've had a chance to check this out yet although Huff averaged a respectable 11.3 points per game last season he shot just 43 percent from the field and often disappeared on offense last season Huff scored more than 15 points six times that includes an incredible showing in the Big East tournament when he went for 35 against Seton Hall the eventual tournament champions while conversely scoring five points or fewer on seven different occasions, including two times he was held scoreless. 
Stack goes on to say all Huff has to provide Creighton is a greater consistency as a scorer while not being too dependent on the three ball. Although, to be fair, he shot a healthy 36% from three-point range. The long-rangey athlete can be an asset when he is on top of his game. He concludes the answer to question five by saying if Huff can become more consistent, it could go a long way cementing Creighton as a Big East contender. So nowhere in that article, which, you know, might be fair for uh, where where Dan Stack is sitting and where that site's sitting. Nowhere does it talk about the injuries that we as diehard Creighton fans know Cole had to fight through last year. A lot of rehab. Um, you heard Coach Mack after every game talking about how Cole didn't practice X number of days or Cole was really limited in what he was able to do as the training staff, the coaching staff, and his teammates rallied around him fighting through some knee injuries. So, you know, that's what made that show that that showcase for him at MSG so interesting. You know, it comes late in the year, people wondering how his body's holding up. Cole goes out there and I mean legitimately seemed to to could not miss against the Pirates. Kept the Jays in that game. They'd ultimately falter down the stretch like happened so many times last year or the year before. But, you know, if you're looking for the Cole Huff of that game, the Cole Huff of his hot streak to start that BYU game in the NIT, that's what Jays fans, I think, are expecting to be where he where he benefits this season from Mo Watson still being around, the addition of Marcus Foster, and some changes to that front line. All that being said, you can't make a difference if you're on the bench. And Cole's been dealing with some medical issues. Um so Matt D was able to connect with Cole uh, a little bit this week at the Hilltop, and we've got that interview for you. We're going to go ahead and play it in its entirety, and then we'll follow back up here when uh, we when we get done listening to Cole Huff. Yes, first things first, how you feeling physically? I'm feeling good. Um, obviously, I've had a long time since our last game, almost five, five and a half months, something like that now. So I've got a lot of time to rest and recover. Um, I'm still maybe a month or so away before I can get back up and try something. So, what did they go in and do? Uh, they went in and cleaned up my meniscus, which I had a few problems with back in high school and earlier in college. And then when they were in there, they found uh, a few other things. Uh, they did a microfracture, which is basically they punch holes into your leg to create blood and cartilage to stop the bone on bone, which was happening. Mm-hmm. So they fixed that, and that, that really set me back for we got it all taken care of now. Which name was it? Right, 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 right. So I guess how long after the surgery this microfracture is obviously not something that, you know, when an athlete has that, that's you know, something you can like almost alter the way you do everything to get yourself ready. I guess what has that process been like as far as getting yourself into tip-top shape? Uh, it's been a little bit difficult, but I have, this is my third surgery on my knee, so I kind of know how the how the rehab process goes and physical therapy. Um, like I've told people before, the physical therapy part is the easy part. You know, anybody can have surgery and go to the doctor and go see a trainer and get treatment, but it's getting back onto the basketball court and you know, your timing and your explosion and being able to do things that you want to really do. That's going to be the hard part. And I think I'm starting to shift gears towards that process now, so I'm excited. Now, did you do your rehab out in California like you usually do? Yeah, I did. Um, right after the season, uh, I was on crutches for about six weeks, and then I went home for summer break my rehab there and then for the whole summer I did rehab here for two months and then I did some more rehab when when I was at home uh, a few weeks ago so 
was getting closer and closer to the time period in which they gave me, which was six to seven months. But obviously, um, we're going to take things slow and make sure we're ready for season. And that, that uh, academy is called Elite, right? That's where you usually do your workouts and stuff? Yeah. And they do rehab and things like that? Elite, yes, sir. I just can't help but notice you look a little bit stronger, I guess. Would you, have you spent a lot of time, you know, working on upper body strength and things like that with the lower body healing up? Yeah, um, you know, specifically the first month, two months when I was just on crutches, all I could do is lift weights. Um, so I put on quite a few pounds. I haven't been able to, to run and work out as much as, as I'd like to, obviously, with the knees, so I haven't been able to sweat. Yeah. Um, so I put, on a, I put on quite a few pounds which can be good and, and can be bad. Obviously, I've gotten a lot stronger, but I think once I get back out there on the court, I'll probably lose five to 10 pounds of just body weight that I put on, a little bit of extra, extra, extra fat that will wear off. So I, I, I think I'll be right Now, it's funny coming into this season. I guess last season coming in, you were like, you know, in that hot shot transfer mode after sitting a year, and everybody was excited to see you play. I guess coming into this year, it, it almost seems like you're flying under the radar a little bit because, you know, everybody's talking about uh, Maurice and Marcus in the backcourt and things like that, but, you know, almost forgetting what you did in New York uh, against Seton Hall and while you recovered from this injury, almost like you're back to, you know, having to prove yourself. Do you feel uh, that you have a chip on your shoulder and that you're, you kind of have a little less pressure on yourself to perform this year? I definitely have a chip on my shoulder, but I wouldn't say that it's from flying under the radar or from what people are, are not saying about me. I think it's mostly just to prove to myself. I think last year I was really up and down. I had some, some good moments. I had some low moments. And I know I'm a much better player than what I showed last year. Um, so the chip on my shoulder comes from that. I just want to, you know, this is the last go-around. I really want to meet expectations. And more, more importantly, I want to get back to the NCAA tournament. I haven't been. I don't think many many people on the team have been other than maybe Marcus and Caleb transfer transfer guys. So that's that's where the chip on my shoulder comes from. But um, Marcus and Maurice, they've had amazing college careers. They have every right to be in headlines and, and all that. And for them to be teammates, I would never, you know, try to take something from them just because I'm not doing much and stuff. How much did uh, how much did New York help you? Maybe with your with your confidence, if there was any. I mean, you know, obviously when you have up and down season, you're human like anybody else. Confidence can waver. I guess when you have a performance like that against the team that eventually won the Big East tournament, mm -hmm. did that help you going into the off season, knowing that you know what, that's a level I can perform at on a consistent basis? Or I guess maybe not 35 or minute, but I mean, you right. know what I mean? Right. Um, well, more specifically towards the end of the season, uh, I think maybe the last four or five games or so. Um, I really started to play a lot better, and, you know, when I went to New York and I had that game, I think I just proved to myself that I can play through injuries and through whatever is going on just to see what kind of surgery I had after the season. There's no reason that I, I should ever have an excuse when I'm, when I'm healthy or even somewhat healthy to not perform to the best of my abilities because I know I can do it. So that's what it really helped me mentally. And uh, I'm just, yeah, just looking forward to getting back onto the court to, to end the season, um, playing a little bit better. Uh, but obviously we lost a, a few too many games close the end. That's going to be the big thing going into the season is taking one game at a time and trying to build up. I know you're, this is your first week of class and everything's probably just a whirlwind right now, but... 
excited are you to get practice underway and get the season underway? Is it, do you feel like an itch almost? Yeah, I feel like a, a veteran, an old guy. You know, this is my fifth year in college, and then we have guys coming in like Davion. He was 17 when he got here, and I was 22. It was like playing basketball at some of my sister's age, which is kind of weird. But, I mean, it's going to be a totally different experience. Um, you know, me being one of the, I think, four seniors on the team, uh, we have a lot more expectations on ourselves to help lead this group and uh, get back into, you know, winning games and getting to the NCAA tournament, which I alluded to earlier we haven't done. Um, but it's going to be fun, just a, a different role. But uh, I think I'm a little more, more mature as a player and as an individual, and I'm ready to take that on. Great stuff right there from Matt DeMoranis interviewing Cole Huff, Creighton basketball senior. So he's obviously putting in a lot of work trying to come back from a third knee surgery. He's got some help around him. Marcus Foster, Justin Patton, obviously Maurice Watson Jr. back in the fold. Expectations are that the Blue Jays snap their two-year uh, hiatus from the NCAA tournament. And if they're going to do that, we have to assume that Cole's going to play a role because we need his three-point shooting ability, his ability to stretch the floor, those waiting hands for passes from Maurice Watson Jr., from Marcus Foster as they penetrate, as they kick, as defenses collapse on them. Cole's going to benefit, but he can only do that, right, if he's out on the floor. So really interested to see how the next couple weeks shape up for Cole in practice, individual workouts once he's cleared to do everything he needs to do to get back on the floor. And obviously, as the season gets started, um, you've got a big showdown with Wisconsin early on, but obviously we know that Coach Mack and the training staff kept Cole off the practice floor quite a bit last year. It'll be interested to see what what they do with him this season, trying to play the long game with with his performance and with his availability, but also knowing that the bubble is going to be vicious like it is every year and every opportunity to to notch a w um is one that they need to seize on and that if they're going to put up the kind of numbers that they hope to cole's going to be a factor in that so another great interview by matt demoranis and um you know again that's everybody's here for blue jay basketball to to the start with so we're going to try to have as many of those types of interviews and that type of coverage as possible here as this podcast gets rolling. I know that it's still early and we're still working out some kinks, but we really appreciate you guys sticking sticking by with us. And we know that Matt DeMarinas and some of our other contributors, they'll be at the practice floor all season long. They'll be on the sidelines at CenturyLink Center Omaha as the Blue Jays go to battle night in, night out. And we'll have as much coverage for you as possible in the podcast, in the audio recaps that we embed in our articles at whiteandbluereview.com and uh, and maybe get some of these guys on the air and recorded um, kind of quote-unquote live for you on the podcast as we get further on into the season. But speaking of interviews and speaking of Matt DeMoranis, we're going to segue now into kind of our what's on tap section, and we're going to lead with the women's volleyball team, number 18 in the country in the ABCA poll, Creighton's highest ranking ever in that poll, no matter the week. They just so happen to be starting out inside the top 20 for the first time in program history. Had the blue-white scrimmage last weekend, and now this weekend they travel to Ames, Iowa, 
for the Iowa State Challenge Saturday and Sunday. Saturday they'll play Wichita State. Sunday they'll go up against the host Cyclones. And before that gets started, our own Matt DeMarinis was able to record a 12-minute interview with Coach Kirsten Bernthal-Booth, ranging on topics everywhere between what the rivalry is or could be between the Blue Jays and Wichita State in volleyball, all the way to what her players are looking forward to this weekend, what the coaching staff is looking forward to this weekend as they get their season um, started in earnest with a road uh, challenge series between the Blue Jays and Wichita State and the Blue Jays in the Iowa State Cyclones. So we're going to go ahead and play that interview for you in, your, in its entirety right after we run down the other things coming up for Creighton Athletics here the next couple days. Men's soccer, they lost 3-1 to one to Wisconsin at home at Morrison Stadium in the last exhibition of their, um, of their summer, late summer. Uh, Blue Jays did not fare well against the visiting Badgers, and now no rest for the weary as Elmar Bolovich's team goes up and travels to New Jersey Friday night for the regular season opener on the road at number 25 Rutgers. Women's soccer will also be, quote, on the road, but they'll actually be right here in the Omaha Metro. Ross Pauley's team will take on the Nebraska Omaha Mavericks at UNO or Omaha, whatever they're called these days. That's Friday night. Um, women's soccer will then also be back in Omaha Sunday when they host the Iowa State Cyclones in a traditional home match that will take place at Morrison Stadium Sunday afternoon. And then men's soccer starts their home slate of regular season matches Monday night with the home opener against San Francisco. So that's at 7 o'clock Monday night against San Francisco at Morrison Stadium. But the big the big events this weekend, the reason that the athletic department has a fan bus traveling a couple hours to Ames, Iowa, is to watch Kirsten Bernthal Booth's Creighton Blue Jays, number 18 in the country, open their regular season at the Iowa State Challenge. Here is Matt DeMoranis talking with Coach Booth about rivalries, what to expect this weekend, and getting ready to start the season for Creighton Volleyball. You wish I said on the schedule, obviously that's something that Men's basketball is a big rivalry. Baseball is a big rivalry. What's what's Wichita State Creighton like in volleyball for you when you get them on the schedule? I think Wichita is a huge rivalry for Creighton also, volleyball. Um, I would say when we were in the Valley, the two schools, and it was because they were the top schools, but you and I and then Wichita. Um, and I think the thing with Wichita is we always have great matches with them. Mm -hmm. Even when we were up and coming, we would go five, and we, we've gone five so many times against them. And so it just tells you how equal the programs are. Um, so definite rivalry, definitely a lot of respect. Um, you know, Chris Lamb has built that program from the ground up, and um, they're good year in and year out. Um, and it'll be a tough battle on Saturday. Do you like it better starting with a team like Wichita State versus, say, a team like Miami Ohio where you don't necessarily have to worry about people getting up for that one because if, say, your veterans who have played with Stottles five setters in the past, they know it's a big match and that can just filter down. And Are you saying we don't have to get up for Miami because they're not as good? That's not what I'm saying. Okay, I was going to say. I'm, I'm saying, saying, saying for which I'll say you know that okay, so for game one a, you guys will be locked it's in. It's an interesting question. Um, you know, 
I think, like, going back to the Miami example, that's a really, really tough team to play because it's a team that's about 50 behind you RPI-wise, so people think you're supposed to win, but they're still really, really good. Um, now, from a getting up standpoint, you know, the only one that played in the Valley is Lauren. So Lauren has said, hey, this is a big rival, and they've heard us talk some about it. But, but I can't say that the team has the edge that probably the coaching staff has and, and Lauren does in the sense of, like, hey, this is a conference rival. You know, to some degree, these, these new players, this is just another team. And what has it been, two years since we've played in Wichita? So, I mean, you know, we'll definitely have some players that have played against them out, out of conference, but... Um, I think the bigger thing is they know they're a good team. Yeah. So then the next one will be Iowa State, and that's one you probably want to, with, with Iowa kids in their team, probably one they're more aware of, and plus they get to kind of go closer to home and play. I guess for this weekend as a whole and for Iowa State as an opponent, do you feel like this group should be pretty juiced up for this weekend, or are you worried about that at all? You know, I um, – No? You know, I was I, I, I don't know if I have a pulse of how the team feels differently between the two. To me, Wichita State, Iowa State, Creighton are almost equals. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I would anticipate they will be up for both matches. If they're not, something's wrong with them. I mean, because this is what it's all about. You know, we're playing such a tough schedule. Um, I mean, we d- definitely have some players that are going home, particularly uh, Jaylee and Megan. So I think... Um, you know, there's definitely some emotions there anytime a kid goes home, and you don't know whether that's going to be good or bad and how that's going to handle it, but it's fun, and, you know, hopefully they'll both perform well, uh, you know, in their hometown, Megan close to like, their hometown. Oh, uh, Megan looks like a kid who, uh, you know, back when we were talking, you know, when Smith was in this position of having to come off a redshirt year and, uh, you know, then get pushed into the role and have to perform. Megan looks like a kid who, like back when you said about Lauren, that Megan is in the same thing where she made the most of the redshirt year. It looks like she's hit the ground running right away as far as to get herself ready for the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like Megan is really playing well. She she took a lot of strides in strength and conditioning. You know, she's faster off the ground. She's jumping higher. Um, and, and the thing I love about Megan is she's a winner. You know, she's always been a winner at whatever team she's been a part of. She figures out a way to get things done. Um, she She's our most multidimensional player. She and Lydia, I would say, are our two most... Uh, you know, Megan could play any front row spot. She can play back row. And she set some in high school. You know, we're not training her as a setter, but she can kind of do it all. Yeah. I guess uh, Jaylee had a chance to, you know, play some, you know, some, I guess, some national competition with some of the team USA. What, what have you seen differently from her coming into this sophomore year? Obviously, now she has a lot of expectations individually, you know, as far as what people think about her perception wise. But what have you seen different about her? approach to preparation and kind of getting ready to maybe up the ante in her mind as a sophomore? Preparation, you know, Jaylee had a really mature preparation last year. You know, she she knew every point, every match was valuable. It was never an issue that I felt like she didn't get up for matches. Um, Jaylee's highly competitive. So, you know, I I don't, Jaylee is really, really driven, and I think that's just who she is, whether it's freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, she's, that's how she's wired. Where I've seen her take strides, um, you know, she was a good serve receiver last year, I feel like she's really taken a step forward in that, um, 
and then she's really worked on her defense, and I think, you know, a lot of the focus last spring, and, and even with the national team, I mean, was what can she do in the back row to, you know, her her goal is to continue to play post-college, and so, you know, if you want to be an international level outside hitter, you need to be not only incredible in the front row, but incredible in the back row, and that's what she's working to do. I guess this year, obviously, there's less less of that leadership core experience coming back, but obviously with two players and more than just played a lot of matches for you, you still have that element on your team. What is that that been like as, a, as far as when you find yourself I know you haven't seen it yet against an opponent but when you find yourself in a set where you know you've given up a run who's that calming influence on the floor do you see it out of this the senior group do you think it's going to be a smooth transition in that regard or do you think it's going to be a work in progress um yes I, I think they definitely can do it I think the question is going to be maybe who's the one to do it. I think, you know, any of those names mentioned, Lydia has been named a captain too. Um, so it's Kinsey, Lydia, Jess and Lauren are captains, but also within our system, you know, we look to everyone to be a leader, you know, so that might be Jaylee, that might be Megan, that might be Brittany Witt, that might be, you know, Jacqueline Taylor, whoever the kid is, you know, we want them to be themselves and, um, you know, so I don't know exactly who it'll be. And last year, it wasn't always the same person. You know, if we needed energy, it was Kate Elman, mm -hmm. you know. But if we needed calming, it wasn't Kate Elman, right. you know. Like, right. probably the same way. Like, if we need energy, uh, energy Kinsey's going to be the one that consistently brings that. If we need calming, I would say it's probably going to be Lydia, Jess, or Lauren, you know, some of those people. So sure. um, I don't know the answer to it, but I definitely think we have people that can do it. And I think, you know, that'll be an evolution throughout the year of, you know, how they fill those roles. I think serve receive and the passing game are huge for you obviously you know big points of emphasis for you all the time as far as what can create you know what helps you win um, with uh, kind of a new back row this year and in that regard how is that built up so far um, in practice and what do you think of the the new faces to be plugged into those areas? Yeah, you know, um, I think we have the capability of being really good in serve-receive. You know, I think I feel this way in every preseason. Uh, and so this is no different. Some days I think, gosh, we got this locked in, and other days we can be erratic. So um, I've learned not to panic about that. Uh, you know, and I, I definitely feel confident with pieces, not only the starting pieces, but some people that could come in and if someone's struggling, come in and fill some holes for a little while to calm someone down. So I think we have some decent depth there. Um, and so I hope that that ends up being a strength for us, but we'll see. I guess if you just do uh, maybe an assessment of Brittany Witt, I know she's coming in you know, from a program that is used to producing plug-and-play players yeah. right away. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, she's continuing that tradition. What do you think about the what you've seen out of her in the early days so far, and what do you think she can bring to this this 2016 club? Yeah, you know, I think Britt's going to fight for time, and you know, I think she's got really good defensive range, um, meaning she can play outside. You know, you know, not only is she good at the hard driven balls, but she can, you know, really push off and cover some some area on the court. Um, and she's got a really nice passing platform. Um, so, you know, she's passed well in practice and done some really impressive things. So, and the other thing is, like you alluded to, she wins. You know, I think, what, she won four state championships? Three state championships, I think. 
um, yeah, three state championships. Uh, started as a freshman in one of the perennial power institute schools in our city. Um, so in our state, actually. So um, I, I like her game and I like her head a lot. Yeah. Uh, one one thing I know you know you really you really liked about Kenzie Crawford. Not only you already touched on kind of the leadership she'll bring to this group this year, um, but her athleticism is something you've always been a fan of. And I guess is this year another you know. Is that evident this year and kind of because you're putting her in a different role as far as where you think she might be able to find some playing time? Do you think that athleticism is once again shining through for her as far as her versatility goes? You know, I think Kenzie's a great athlete and a great volleyball player. Um, but one of the things we talk to our players about is are you making your teammates better? Okay. And I think... You know, of all the strengths that Kinsey has, I think that's her greatest strength. Is that, especially when she's when she's feeling confident, she then puts her focus on her teammates to make them feel confident. So, um, I think that's a really special thing that her teammates talk about a lot. Um, and you know, sometimes when positions are close, that's what gives you the nod. And I think that's something that Kinsey does really well. Last one I'll get you out on is Taryn. Uh, obviously, last year at this point was. You know, out. behind because of her injury yeah, and stuff still like that. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, she kind of, you know, she came in with the top, uh, the top, as a top recruit in her class, but, you know, she got behind injury wise, finishing wise, and that sort of thing. I guess, what have you seen out of her in year two now that she's, you know, been able to be on the court more as far as her development goes? Because, you know, for at some point last year, there was a point where maybe she won't even play at all, but she yep. play. Yep. Um, I've seen a lot of development out of Taryn. I think, uh, you know, she can play both right side and outside effectively. I'd feel comfortable in either of those positions. She's really turned into being a great blocker. Um, and just because you're tall, that doesn't mean you're a great blocker. And, I mean, one of the things that we talked about recently, I mean, just this week was last year she was big and if they hit into her, but now she reads and, and can really cover a lot of the net. I think her offense uh, has improved a lot in the last week. We've kind of broken down her approach and it's really helped her. Um, you know, and I think the big thing for Taryn is she's got to know how good she is and believe it. And, yeah. uh, you know, when she's confident, she's uh, really, really lethal. So, um, you know, I hope that she's going to have a breakout year. Um, there you have it the head coach of the number 18 ranked Creighton women's volleyball team, Kirsten Bernthal Booth, alongside Matt DeMoranis. Great look at what her team is prepping for this weekend at the Iowa State Challenge. They actually will be away from Omaha for the first two weekends of the season. Uh, you heard all of that information about the games this weekend, also going out to California next next weekend over Labor Day weekend. On our next podcast, on our next Blue Jays Bites episode, we will no doubt be joined by Matt DeMoranis to talk about Creighton Volleyball as they head out to California to face Northern Iowa, Kentucky, and USC. Um, we'll also have coverage of the men's soccer season opener at Rutgers. The home opener against San Francisco. Take a look at exactly where Elmar Bolovich's team is at this stage of the season. And we've also got uh, 
women's soccer to cover as well. So a couple of matches this weekend for Ross Pauly's team as they quote-unquote travel to UNO and then host Iowa State Sunday. So a lot of action on and around the hilltop. But um, for all of our coverage, stay tuned to whiteandbluereview.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're podcasting. We're trying to do as much of this as we possibly can for those diehard Creighton fans not satisfied with other news outlets coverage of Creighton sports. We want to give you detailed information. We want to give you access to coaches, access to players through our recorded interviews, through um, the folks that we have on our staff that are covering practice, covering events inside and out. So any questions you have, any things that you want us to cover as we start to pick up steam into the 2016-2017 academic and sports calendar year for Creighton Athletics, just don't be shy. Let us know um, because we're making this for you. We're doing all of this for you because you're like us. You love Creighton sports, and we love covering them. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off, and I look forward to bringing you some guests next episode, which will be our third episode, right? Two weeks to form a habit. I consider that we're two weeks in fully intend to keep going here with Blue Jays Bites, the podcast that could only be brought to you with help from our sponsors, our advertisers, Sun Valley Landscaping, Creighton Federal Credit Union, who have been with us for the last couple of years and Creighton Federal since our inception. So because of their generous coverage or sponsorship of us, we can cover Creighton Sports the way we want to, bring more guys into the fold like Matt DeMoranis, who then go out and can interview great players like Cole Huff, great coaches like Kirsten Bernthal-Booth, and bring it all to you unfiltered in a way that Creighton fans truly want to hear their sports and their school represented. So with that, I'll sign off, and I'll just leave you with what I always say, Go Jays!